Hey, thanks for listening to the Afresh Church Message Podcast. Our hope is that today's message is encouraging and uplifting and ultimately will draw you into a closer and deeper relationship with Jesus starting right now. We're starting a new series today, and we're going to call it After God's Own Heart. After God's Own Heart. Uh, very gruesome image up on the screen. Yes, I love it. Um, very dark, you know, very realistic and stuff. Um, this series, I'm, I'm really excited for this. We're going to take just the next month, just the month of September, to look into the series After God's Own Heart. You've probably, if you've been in church for a while, you've probably heard this, this phrase uh, and, or, or this title given to, to King David, and, and God gave this title to King David. Saul, King Saul was, was the first king of Israel, and, and he was just not a great man. And so God removed the anointing from Saul on his life and placed it on David, and he said, I'm going to look for some, I'm going to look for a man who is after my own heart. And that's what the title David, or that's what David, that's the title David was given is a man after God's own heart. And, and at, 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 at the first time you hear this, it kind of sounds a little, it's like, okay, that, that's cool. And, and we kind of interpret this, you know, a church language sometimes you hear it so much, you just forget that you have to understand what it means. And we just say it all the time. But, but, you know, the, 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 the first time I heard this, I was like, oh, okay, David, he, he must be just this man of God, this man pursuing after God. And that's true. And uh, I thought being a man after God's own heart uh, was that David was seeking God's approval. David was seeking to please the Lord. David was, was seeking affirmation from God. And I, I realized recently that, that we've already got the approval of God. God approves us. He doesn't necessarily approve everything we do, but he approves us. His death, burial, and resurrection prove that. He loves us. He's already so affectionate for us. So, so I had to really dive into what, is, what does it really mean to be a man after God's own heart? What, is it, what does it really mean to, to have this title? And, 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 and it's just simply this, is that David was so, so, um, so in pursuit. He, he was a man after God's own heart to have his heart look like God's heart. He was a man after having God's heart look like his and reflect his heart. He, he, he was a man for, for pursuing alignment with his own heart with God's heart. That is what being a man after God's own heart looks like. And, 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 and when we come into alignment with the Father, when we come into alignment with God and we align our hearts with his, transformation happens. We don't think the same way. We don't do things the same way. We don't, we don't look at people. The same. There's a whole slew of things that change when we align our hearts with the Father's heart. And so I really want to take the next four weeks to dive into this title, this, this, this series, and, and how we can learn to be a man or woman after God's own heart, how we can have our lives and our hearts transformed into, uh, in, into whatever God wants us to be, and, and how we can be used by God and, and utilized by God. Jesus said this in, in Matthew chapter 6, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And I think I want to take the next four weeks to, to kind of retrain our brains and how we can make God our treasure so our heart can be there too for him to be able to transform it. And uh, I, I really believe at the, by, the, by the end of this series that we're going to be thinking differently. We're going to be praying differently. We're going to be looking at people differently. It's going to transform our lives if we, apply these, uh, if we apply these principles and these spiritual practices and, and, and really grow closer 
to God. And I think that's why we're all here, right? I mean, we're all here because we're at least somewhat curious about a relationship with Jesus, I hope. And if not, you're in a really good place to learn about it. But, but this is the goal for our series. And so we're going we're gonna to start it off by turning to Psalm chapter 27. Uh, Psalm chapter 27. So if you're reading from your Fresh Bibles, that's going to be page number 332. Uh, Psalm chapter 27. And uh, I, I, um, this, this, this psalm is, is written by David. It's written by King David. And um, <clears throat> in fact, there's 150 psalms and a major- almost a majority of them. It's like just less than half. Uh, were written by David, and I love the Psalms because um, I love the Psalms because this is basically like you know you can read some of the other stories in the Bible, and a lot of them is is, is historical and informational, and these are good things. Uh, but but man, the Psalms are really really emotional, and uh, we can really it's like reading David's diary. That's why I like to think about the Psalms, reading David's diary and how he feels about God, how he feels about his situation he's in. I love the Psalms, and so uh, we're going to take a look into the heart of David today in Psalm chapter twenty-seven. Hopefully, I gave you enough time to turn there. It'll also be on the screen behind me. Just just uh, it just it'll be up there. Don't worry about it. If you, uh, if you don't have your Bibles, but we'd love to, to give you one. Um, we've got them placed all over the place. Find someone with a badge, we'll give you one. It's important to have the Word of God. But we'll, we'll turn to, to Psalm chapter 27, and I'll stop rambling so we can actually read it. How's that sound? Okay. All right, it's Psalm chapter 27. It says this, The Lord is my light. This is David writing. The Lord is my light and my salvation. So why should I be afraid? You've probably heard this. Whom shall I fear? Different translations. The Lord is my fortress protecting me from danger. So why should I tremble? Even when evil people come to devour me, when my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though though a mighty army surrounds me, my heart will not be afraid. Even if I am attacked, I will remain confident. The one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. For he will conceal me when there, when, when he will conceal me, he will conceal me there when troubles come. He will hide me in his sanctuary. He will be, he will place me out of reach on a high rock. Then I will hold my head high above my enemies who surround me. At his sanctuary, I will offer sacrifices with shouts of joy, singing and praising the Lord with music. Hear me as I pray, O Lord, and be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. My heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Do not turn your back on me. Do not reject your your servant in anger. You've always been my helper. Don't leave me now. Don't abandon me, O God of my salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. Teach me how to live, O Lord. Lead me along the right path, for my enemies are waiting for me. Do not let me fall into their hands, for they accuse me of things I've never done. With every breath they threaten me with violence, yet I am confident I will see the Lord's goodness while I'm living here in the land, while I'm here in the land of the living. Wait patiently for the, he gives us this encouragement at the end. Wait patiently for the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Yes, wait patiently for the Lord. I, I love, I love the book of Psalms. This is such an emotional piece. This is such uh, really, really capturing the heart of David. And, and this is what I really un- want us to unpack today that in order for us to have our hearts transformed, in order for us to, to be a man or a woman after God's own heart, you have to know God. And I know that sounds really simple, but we're going to unpack it today. It's going to be really good. And we, we can't have our heart transformed if we don't 
know God. And I, I mean really, really know who God is, know him on a personal level. We have to know God. And so if you're taking notes today, our, our message title is going to be Heart Overhead. Heart Overhead. Simple title today. Uh, and I'll pray for us, and, and we will jump right in to what the Lord wants to say. Thank you, Jesus, for this day. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you for these psalms and these, these, these scriptures and these, um, this, this, the, the, David's diary, essentially, and really looking into the heart of someone who is a servant after you, someone with the title, a man after God's own heart. God, thank you for uh, this, this time that we're able to meet today. Thank you for the time we've been able to set aside and, and make it in the place today or watch online. God, we're so grateful that we get to be in your presence wherever we are because uh, you, you are living within us when we trust you. So God, we're so gracious. We're so thankful. And uh, we pray that you would do something incredible into this place. Speak to us, whatever you want to say. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen and amen. Um, I, I just want to I want to gauge the room really quick. Just just real quick before we really dive in. Um, can, can I can I have a show of hands? Who here is is married? Who here is ma- happily married? Come on. Who here is married? Okay. Good. Good. All right. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Who here is anyone engaged? Is anyone engaged to be married? Okay. Not yet. Is anyone dating? Where are my dating people? Hey. There we go. Here we go. All right. Is anybody single in the place? Okay, anyone looking to date anyone else in the place? Keep your hands up. Kidding, don't do that. Um, <clears throat> can I give you guys some relationship advice really quick, some, some dating advice really quick? Let me speak to the married people just for a moment. Um, it is so important for us to keep dating our spouse. Engage, I don't think there was any engaged people in it, but, but married people, it is so important for us to keep, uh, keep dating our spouse, even if you're married, I, it just, it, because I don't care if you've been married for 55 years, there's always something new you, new you can learn about your spouse, and uh, you just go out and have a date, go out and play mini golf, or you know, go, go to dinner or something, keep dating your spouse, it is so important, because you'll always find that there's something you didn't know, actually I learned something about Stephanie the other day, of course we've only been married for for just about three years, which in the grand scheme of things, I know is really not that long of a time, but it's, it's a long time for us. But you keep dating. Your, it's so important because uh, the, the more you date them, the more you hang out with them, the more you'll get to know them. Don't cling to the wedding day and say, yeah, we're, we're married, but, but be married. Don't, don't say you got married, but you are married. And, and it's so important. Um, and, and so let me, let me talk to the single people and, and the dating people just for a moment too, uh, in, in kind of the same light, um, but, 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 but in this way, date with intention. Date with intention. Date with intentionality. Uh, the goal of dating is to find a spouse, right? I think we can all agree. Uh, those of you who are dating, what are you waiting on? Just kidding, kidding. I'm just kidding. Don't, I'm not trying to rush anything. Uh, but no, date with, date with intention. Uh, and, and, and I want to tell you this too. Don't waste your time on people. Don't waste time on people that are wasting your time, if that makes sense. Don't waste time on people that are wasting your time. Something I decided as a young adult that I would never do again, never do again, is, is uh, take a girl to the movies on the first date. I'm not judging you if you did that, and, you know, that's, that's totally fine. This is just a personal preference, and I'll explain why. Um, because if I, I was very serious about found, finding a spouse um, and, and, you know, finding someone I was going to spend my forever with, uh, I, I dated lots of options, and lots of them were no's, clearly, and I found the one. It was great. Um, but <laughs> I, I, I decided as a young that I was going to date with intention. I was going to date and, and find out everything I could and, you know, <laughs> be, 
somewhat quick about it, so I know, hey, if, if, if this isn't going to work out, I'm not going to waste my time, and I'm certainly not going to waste your time. You're someone else's future wife, not mine. I'm not wasting all three of our times, you know? And so one thing I, I decided I would never do is take a girl to a movies on the first date, because really, what are you going to learn about something when you're sitting in the dark next to each other, not saying anything, staring at a screen? I mean, for real. It's, again, I'm not trying to judge anybody or anything like that, but this was just my thing. And I was like, you know, I, I, don't, I just don't feel like that's a, that's a good way to get to know somebody. I don't want to have to go on a second date to realize there shouldn't have been a second date. You know what I mean? And so, so I remember our, our first date that we, uh, we went on, it was to eat. Because you can't go wrong with eating on a first date. Because if you run out of stuff to say, just shove your face with food until, and just, you know, mm, until you can figure out something to say. Um, it's, it's a great trick. I've done it many times. But it's, it's foolproof, you know? And uh, I remember our first date, we'll, we, we, I, was, I was a little nervous because like, I don't know this girl really that much. And, um, you know, I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know what I'm going to say. I really don't know a whole lot about her other than, like, you know, we like the same music. And, you know, she, she's a woman of faith, which, you know, is, is good for me. Uh, and uh, our date, our first date we went on at a restaurant, we were there for five hours. Five, can you imagine being stuck at a table with me for five hours? Some of you are stuck in here for almost five hours. Kidding. Um, you know, we, we just talked back and forth. And it, finally, she was like, hey, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's getting kind of late. And I looked at my watch. I was like, it's like almost 10 o'clock. It was almost 11 o'clock. I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, we got to get out of here. And uh, so we had a great time, and, and uh, it, it was awesome. And then there was a little miscommunication there. Um, I texted her good night. And then she didn't text me the next day. And I was like, hmm, what's wrong? But apparently, because I've always learned you can't double text. Is this a thing? It's like, don't double text. That's desperate, you know? And uh, so I, te I texted her goodnight. She did not text me back. Therefore, responsibility is on her to start the conversation, right? And it makes sense in my head, not in hers. She's like, no, no, no. The man starts the conversation every time. I was like, what? And so she was waiting on me to text her. I was waiting on her to text me. Meanwhile, we're both madly in love with each other. And, and we're, just not, we're just too afraid to show it. But uh, we, went, we went on a second date a few weeks later because of that, and uh, the second date lasted six hours long. We almost got kicked out of the place because we were there so long. So I, I was pretty intentional about um, dating with purpose, and that's the whole reason we got married in, in almost, you know, just over a year is because we knew. We knew each other really well, and uh, your relationship becomes stronger the more that you know someone. And so I, I knew this was important, and I knew it was every relationship works this way. Every relationship works this way. Your relationship with your friends, your relationship with your spouse, your relationship with your kids, it, it all grows stronger when you, when you, uh, when you, the more that you know someone. And, and the same with our relationship with God as well. And now I don't want us to be confused because there's a difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone. There's a big difference, and, and it's subtle, but it, it's subtle in, in, in saying it, but it's a big difference between knowing someone and knowing about someone. Knowing about Stephanie made me want to know Stephanie. I know, I knew, I, like I said, we, we had common interests in music, we had common interests in, in faith, and I knew that she was the most beautiful woman God had ever made. That was, those were things I knew about her, but I did not know her. And so at the end of the day, I wanted to pursue her because of what I knew about her. And not having that connection made me want to pursue her. Not having that connection made me want to pursue her and her pursue me. And that's not always the case. That's not always the case. Knowing about someone makes you want to pursue them. Sometimes knowing about someone makes you want to run away from them. Um, have you ever been in a situation maybe at work or at school where someone was like, oh, by the way, it's, you know, it's like your first day and you're like, you don't know anybody. And so this, this one person's like walking around like, oh, by the way, 
Becky over there, mm, no, you do not. You do not want to hang out with Becky. She is just the worst, and everything she says is always blah, 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 blah. And she's like, oh, wow, you know, I'm learning all this information about Becky on my first day of school, you know, or my first day of work. And then it's like, so you avoid them the whole time because of what you know about them. You don't know them yet. And then, you know, maybe something happens, and you have to do a school project, or you have to, you know, you're at your job, and you have cubicles next to each other, and, and you find out that Becky's actually really not that bad of a person at all. Have you ever experienced this before? I, I have. And it's like these preconceived notions you placed on people based on what other people said, based on what you knew about them. And so it, it just goes to show that knowing about someone is not always, is, is not always the same as knowing someone. And, and, and the, the Pharisees did this really well. The Pharisees in the Bible, the religious teachers of the law, the, the uh, Jesus' enemies, a lot of us like to say. And it's, it's interesting because Jesus died for the Pharisees too. He loved the Pharisees. He loved them. He just did not love what they were doing. And, and so the Pharisees, they were the, the religious teachers of the law back in the day. And uh, they knew all about God. They knew everything there was to know about God. They, they, these, these were Jewish boys that grew up. They went to Torah class. Uh, you know, they, they made all the sacrifices and rituals that they were supposed to do. They memorized the scriptures. They prayed, you know, three, five, seven, ten times a day, you know, all day long. And, and they, they, they made everyone else know that too. And everyone knew that the Pharisees, they, they knew God. But it just goes to show they, they, they really didn't know God or else they would have recognized God when he was standing right in front of them in the form of Jesus. And it's just so interesting to me how these Pharisees who claim to know God, who, who, who claim to know everything there is about God, who, you know, they, they did all the things they were supposed to do, they dedicated their lives to this, but, but whenever Jesus, God in the flesh, was standing right in front of them, they didn't recognize him. They couldn't recognize him because they had their thoughts wrong. They, they thought they knew God, but really they just knew a lot about God. And they ended up mocking God and spitting on God. And they eventually crucified God and nailed God to a sinner's cross. And they thought they knew God. They just knew a lot about him. They didn't, they didn't know him or else they would have recognized him. They would have accepted Jesus is the Messiah. But they, they didn't know God. They just knew about God. And they crucified God in the name of God. You know, Jesus said himself that there, there would be a, a, a time and a day that people would, would, would come to him and say, you know, I, I, I prophesied in your name. I, I cast out demons in your name. I've done many signs and wonders in your name. But Jesus has to look at them and say, but I, but I never knew you. I didn't know you. You knew about me. You didn't know me. And, 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 and in order for us to have a heart like God's, we have to know him, not just know about him. It's such a big difference. It's such a vast difference difference that we have to get over ourselves with. And, you know, I, I think often like the Pharisees as well, we, we, tend to, we tend to flaunt our knowledge about God. We do. You know, we, we uh, oh, oh, look at all the scriptures I can memorize. We, you know, post on social media, post on the gram. Look at all these scriptures I can memorize. Let me give you a word, you know, <laughs> and, and you know, look how early I get up in the morning to have hashtag coffee with Jesus. Look at me. Look what I'm doing for the kingdom. You know, we, we, when we, when we um, do something great, like we have an outreach project, and I'm not saying these are all bad, but I'm just, I'm, just work with me here. You know, we take a picture of us giving a, 10 bucks to a homeless man. You know, Look at me, I'm so good for the kingdom. Look at my, how much I know God. How, look at my, uh, my, my robust relationship 
with God. And oftentimes we're like the Pharisees in where we flaunt our knowledge about God and it's a cheap substitute for knowing God. It's a cheap substitute for relationship. And I, I said this earlier, we all truly have a desire to, to know God. That's why we're here. You know, we have this, uh, you know, this is our intention to know God more, to, to build our relationship with God. But you have to understand we're humans too. And as humans, we like to put processes on a lot of things. And God is just one of those things we can't put a process on. God is one of those things we can't put a process. It, you know, we have to be careful uh, about, you know, when we, when we think, oh, I'm going to grow my relationship with God by memorizing more scriptures, by going to more church services, by doing this and by doing that. Not that those are bad things, but we have to check our hearts. We have to check our intentions of why we're doing these things because you're, a lot of the time we're not doing these things to strengthen our relationship with God. We're doing these things to impress other people. And that's a hard truth to swallow sometimes, but, but you know, what is, our, what is our true desire when we, are, when we are memorizing Scripture, when we're reading passages, when we're, when we're helping people? Are, are we there to flaunt our knowledge about God? Are we there to grow in relationship with God and come to know Him more? And oftentimes we flaunt our knowledge with God, our knowledge about God to mask our insecurity that we really don't know God a whole lot at all. And to make matters worse, uh, you know, a lot of Christians, sometimes in this knowledge quest of how we think we're going to reach spiritual enlightenment once we have, you know, once we have, have memorized all the scriptures and done all the things, I'll never forget, and I'll just share a personal story. The first time I read through the Bible, I was like, man, I can't wait till I get to the end of the revelation. I'm just going to, I'm going to have a revelation of my own, and God's just going to, you know, lift me. I'm going to have a halo and all these things. And I, I remember closing the book thinking, wow, I just, I read the whole thing. For the wrong reason. <laughs> I wasted all, I, went, I did the whole Bible in a year plan. I was like, I wasted all this time just trying to get through the Bible. Then I forgot to stop and talk to the one that it's about. And, and it was my intention. And, and you know, sometimes on, in our knowledge quest, this is what we do a lot of the time. We, you know, we, our, our narrative will shift sometimes from impressing people to oppressing people. Have you noticed that sometimes it'll, it'll shift and we'll start using our knowledge of, about God against people. We'll, we'll start to, you know, I, I, we love to take the Bible and we'll take the Bible and we'll start to beat people over the head with it and saying, oh, you're so bad, you're wrong, you're doing this in the wrong way, blah, 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 for people that don't want advice right now. They just need someone to be with them. We're taking the, the scriptures and we're, and you know, you might argue, well, it's, a, it's like a, a two-edged sword. Yes, it is, but it's for the enemy and people are not the enemy. The, in fact, the people are who the Bible is, is what the Bible is for. And we're using it as a weapon to attack the ones it was meant to protect. We love to, to use the scriptures. We love to use this knowledge that we have about God and use it to oppress people. And this is why Christians have the reputation that we do. And I'm not trying to, you know, be a Debbie Downer or anything like that. Sorry if your name's Debbie, but... You know, I'm just, I'm just trying to be truthful here. This is what the world thinks about Christians a lot of the time, is that we're arrogant and we're, um, we're stuck up, we're hypocrites, and I, I understand why. I really do. I understand why. It's so dangerous when we only have this knowledge about God and, and not really know him all that well. We wonder why people don't want to follow Jesus nowadays. But we can't just... 
In, in order to be someone, in order to be a man or woman after God's own heart, we can't just know about him. We have to know him. So how, how do we know him? How do we come to know God? The only way that we can know God is the same way we can come to know anybody else. We have to spend time with them. In order to know God, truly, fully know God, we'll never fully know God. Let me, let me rephrase. And to know God as, 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 as much as we can and to have relationship with him. In order to know, know God, not just know about him, we have to spend time with him. This, this, you know, going back to the marriage metaphor, this works for all relationships. If, if, I, if I never spent time with Stephanie in, in our dating process and, and we got married, I wouldn't know who, we would, who, who, who I would have married. You know, I, I don't know this person. Even still today, you know, we, we spend time together. We, we go on walks together. We play Mario Kart together. We sit on the couch sometimes and just don't do anything, but we're together, you know, and, and it's this togetherness. It's spending time. Same with your kids. You take your kids to the park all the time. You go on walks with your kids. You know, you, you pretend to be superheroes together, jumping around the couch with the kids. This is what we do. You take car rides together. Same with your friends. You go out to eat together. You, you, sometimes you, you work together. Um, you go get sheets hot dogs together. When I was younger, we used to go ding-dong ditching together. It wasn't the most fruitful activity, but we were together. <laughs> we had a fun time running from the angry neighbors. We were growing. It was a great relationship. Again, not very fruitful, but it looks the same. It looks the same when we grow our relationship with God. We have to spend time with God. You come to know people well by spending time with them. And if we never spend time with God, how on earth do we expect our relationship to grow? If we never spend time with God, how on earth do we expect our relationship to grow? I'm going to say this. Don't interpret this the wrong way and kind of work with me here. But, you know, I think a lot of the time we just like a bad first date, we'll take God to the movies and we'll hang out with them in a, in a dark room and we'll watch the show for an hour and a half. Once the server will say, hey, great, had a great time, shake hands, I'll see you again next week. This is the reality of a lot of people's relationship with God today is that it's just a once a week thing and for an hour, hour and a half, maybe if I'm tuning in, if I'm using my brain and paying attention, but I, I, it's, we can't expect our relationship with God to grow if we never spend time with him, just like we can't expect any other relationship to grow if we never spend time with him. But we take a look at someone like David, and David, David knew God really well. David, David knew God because he spent a lot of time with God in the presence of God, and one of the reason, that's one of the reasons God gave him the title, a man after my own heart, a man after my own heart. David uh, wrote this in verse four of our text today. We'll throw it up on the screen. And he says this, the thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. I'll read that again. The thing I seek most is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. The thing I seek most, this is David, the thing I seek most is to be in the house of the Lord. Let me stop you right there because you're thinking, this dude wants to live at church? Are you serious? <laughs> if that's what it takes to be a man after my, you know, God's own heart, I don't know if I'm up for that. And I, I get you there. Sometimes it feels like I live at church. That's not what I'm saying, okay? Thank God. That's not a great feeling. But, but understand David's heart here. You know, this is imagery and poetry of, of how he feels. He's not talking about a literal temple that he is spending all day in. Uh, in fact, 
when, when David was alive and David was, was, was writing this, there was no literal temple yet. He was actually going to be the one to fund it, and his son was going to build it. But there was a, a tabernacle, and the tabernacle was this mobile, uh, this mobile temple, if you will, that, that represented where the presence of God was. And so you would go in, you'd make your sacrifices, you'd pray, and that was where the presence of God was. And, and David surely isn't talking about spending all day and all night in this raggedy old tent what is David talking about here? You know, and, and, and certainly it's, it's not this, this, this tent where they performed animal sacrifices and rituals and there's blood everywhere. I mean, come on. I love the Old Testament. But that's, that's, that place reeked. He's, he's not talking about church. He's not talking about spending all day in church. He's talking about the presence of God, spending all day. The, the one thing I seek most, he says, yeah, the, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the one thing I seek most is to live in the presence of the Lord all the days of my life, to live in the presence. And David would spend all of his time that he could in the presence of the, God, of, of, of the Lord. And, and the Bible says that, that David would pray three times a day and sing to God and worship God at least seven. <laughs> and maybe you're, you're sitting here like, man, I don't know, that's, that's a lot of commitment. I don't know if I have that much time. You know, I, 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 don't, I don't even have the time to remember to brush my teeth twice a day, you know. Surely I can't remember to, to, to pray three times a day, and, and, and you know, we, we think that we just don't have enough time. And I, I, I hear this all the time. I don't have enough time to read my Bible. I don't have enough time to, to go to church. I don't, have enough, I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. But it's, it's all about what we prioritize, it, it, you know, um, because, because David, it, it wasn't that he, he had more time. He had the same 24 hours in a day that we do, but he just prioritized the presence more than we do. He made spending time with God a priority, not a convenience. I think oftentimes we just do it when it's convenient. And, and he would intentionally set time apart to be with the Lord because he knew it was important. He knew it was important. It was something David valued so much to be in the presence of the Lord. And I hate to say it, but I will. I don't think we do that. I don't think we value this is a very blanket statement. I'm not speaking to everybody, but, but I think we can all relate with this in some way, shape, or form. I don't think we value the presence of God as much as we should. We value TikTok. <laughs> we value working in the garage. We value our jobs. We, 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 we value Facebook. We, we value shopping. We value Taco Tuesday. And I love Taco Tuesday, but when we place them above the presence of the Lord, and we say we don't have time to be in the presence of the Lord, I, I, I think we just have our priorities a little bit mixed up. David made the presence a priority, not a convenience. And, and, and you know, it's, it's probably because we don't understand why. I think a lot of us, we, 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 we don't understand why it's important to, to be in the presence of God, why it's important to spend time with God. I'll tell you, when I, when I grew up, you know, I, I, I grew up thinking God was just a set of rules. God was a book. God was, was a religion. <clears throat> I never saw him as a person. I never saw him as a person. And everyone that <clears throat> I, I was with, I didn't feel like saw him as a person either. And, you know, it was like, you know, if I, if I do all these things right, I'll get into heaven. And if I do all these things wrong, I won't. That's what I grew up thinking. So, why, why does it matter to be in the presence of God? Why, why should I make spending time in the presence of God a priority? And it's because he's a person and he wants to be with us. He, 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 he values spending time with us. And, and you know, there's, there's, there's um, 
There, there's so many things we can do to be in the presence of God, so many things we can use as a form of worship, and it's so important because we have to understand God's not just a, a, a list of rules and, 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 and regulations, but God is a, is a person, and he wants to be with us. And, you know, if, if you don't make spending time a priority here on earth, you're really going to hate heaven. <laughs> Let me just say that, put it out there, you know. And it's important, too, because, you know, if, think about it this way. Those who don't spend time with, you grow further apart from. I mean, what are your friends up, your, your friends from high school, what are they up to today? You have no idea. It's been 10 years. You don't know. You haven't talked to them since graduation day. I have no idea what they're doing, and that's sometimes the same thing with, with God. When we don't spend time with someone, we, we, we start to distance our, ourselves. And, and another important reason is because Relationship with Jesus is the only thing that will satisfy our longing soul. We all have this longing. We all have this desire in our hearts to, to have value and to feel worth and to be, to this, this, to be satisfied. There's this, this hunger in our soul that is, is without God is not satisfied. David loved to spend time with God because he knew that there was nothing else that would satisfy his spirit like the presence of God. Of God. There is no true peace. There is no true joy. There is no true spiritual stillness. There is no true hope without the presence of God. We were designed to be with God. We were designed to be, it's, it's knitted and interwoven into every part of our existence that we need God. We need Him. You are not self sustainable. I think someone needs to write that down today. You are not self sustainable. From the very beginning, God designed us to have relationship with him, right? In, in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, you know, naked, all the fun, everything, to be with God, right? This is how we were designed. It was like a crisp 68 degrees in there all the time, you know, sunshine, all the, it was great, right? This is how we were designed. We were designed to be uh, in the Garden of Eden, but, but, you know, when sin entered, then entered all of the fear and anxiety and worry and all these things we were never designed to feel. So, because we are disconnected from the one who is peace. So, we were designed to be in relationship with God, and thank God that he loved us too much to keep us where we were, because immediately, immediately, once Adam and Eve sinned and they, were, they had to leave the, the perfect presence of God because sin could not be in the perfect presence of God, once they had to leave, he immediately started a, a, a redemption plan. He immediately started a redemption plan because God knows we need him and he is not unaccessible. You know, this, this all-powerful creator of the universe knows everything we've done and knows everywhere we've been and, and every, knows everything that we deserve and still shows us grace and mercy each and every single day and makes a way for us to be with him. And we deserve the spiritual heaviness that being separated from God comes with, but, 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 but we, God didn't want to keep us this way. God is, is too good and loves us too much to give us what we deserve. He wants to be with us. God wants to be with us. God wants to spend time with us. You have a God who loves you. You have a God who cherishes you. Uh, the Bible says he calls you his masterpiece. God loves you so much. He wants to spend time with you, and he wants to be with you. He's not mad at you. He's not ignoring you. He's a good father, and he's inviting you into his presence each and every single moment, each and every single breath that we 
breathe. There's never not been a time that he's, there's never been a time that he's not been with us. Again, from, from the garden, he was with them. From, and then once they sinned and they were, had to be exiled from the garden, he worked on a redemption plan and made a way for them to still communicate with him and still be with him. Then there was a, after Malachi, there was a period of 400 years of silence, but not absence, just silence. And then Matthew comes, Matthew comes in and Jesus comes along. And, and then, you know, before Jesus was crucified and gave up his life, he says this in John 14 and verse 16. He says, I will ask the Father and I will give you another advocate or comforter or encourager or counselor who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now. The Spirit of God manifested in the form of Jesus and later will be in you when Jesus is no longer on the earth. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to get you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. So from the beginning of creation until today, God has been with us. God has been present. He has not abandoned us. Quite the opposite. He has been pursuing us the whole time. He's been pursuing us. He just wants to be with us. He just wants to spend time with us. He wants to be with us personally. He wants us to know him. He wants us to know him. And I think we just misunderstand what spending time with God looks like a lot of the time. Some of us think that spending time with God is, you know, you have to be, you have to be you're laying out on, the, on, on your bedroom floor, just weeping and listening to worship music in the background, like, oh, God. I love those moments, but it's not always what it looks like. Spending time with God is, is, is really so simple. It's so simple. We've overcomplicated it for hundreds of years. But here it is. It's communication. Communication. Spending time with God is communicating with him. Talking to him. Praying to him. Praying often. God has given us this gift of prayer and this gift that we're able to access him anytime that we need, anytime that we want. God wants us to, to speak with him and, and to, to, to communicate with him. And the, the great part is, is that it looks so, it's not as formal as you think. It's not sitting at your bedside on your knees, you know, with the hands folded, and oh Lord, heavenly host, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, it's not, it's not like this. It's, sometimes it, it just looks like seeing a sunset and saying, wow, God, you're a really good artist. Just appreciating him in the moment. Sometimes it looks like saying, God, wow, I, really, I have a really, really great family that you've blessed me with. Thank you. Thank you, God. Or, or God, I've, I've got a really, really good church family. Thank you, Lord for this. Spending time throughout the day finding excuses to talk to him. God, I'm feeling this way right now. He, he loves to hear when we're having a great day. He loves to hear when we're having a bad day. I complain to God all the time. I tell you guys this all the time. And I recommend it. Complain to God. Tell him everything. Tell him everything that you can. It doesn't have to be so formal, but it's just like talking to a friend that's who he is. It's like talking to a father. 
That's who he is. Talking to the creator of the universe here. This is a huge deal. And it was such a great honor. So what does it look like to spend time with him? Just, just talk with him. And if you don't know what to say, Jesus says this. And, and if you don't know how to address God, Jesus gives us a great way and a great example in Matthew chapter 6, 9 through 13. He says this, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as, as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. Forgive us of our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. And don't let us yield into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. And, and Jesus says, pray like this. Don't, don't pray this every time. Pray like this. If you break it down, it looks like this. God, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything that you, uh, let, let everything that you want to do through me come to pass. Take care of me. Forgive me when I mess up. We have this great opportunity to, to speak with the creator of the heavens and the earth. And he wants us. It, it says this in, in, in verse 8 of, of our text today. Uh, 20, in Psalm 27, verse 8, he says, and, and David's saying this, My heart has heard you say, has heard you say, God, come and talk with me. Come and talk with me. My heart responds, Lord, I am coming. And, and in some translations uh, say this, and it says, come and seek my face. Seek my face. In other words, get to know me. I want, to, I want you to know who I am. I want you to know me on a personal level. Spend time with me. And so just as often as you talk to God, we have to listen. It's so important that we listen. A lot of us miss this. I know I do this all the time. I'm just blabbermouth. <laughs> And God, I, I believe uh, very strongly in like prophetic dreams. And I think God is very grace, gracious to us because sometimes the only way, the only time he can talk to us when we aren't talking and we'll shut up is when we're asleep. <laughs> so don't doubt the prophetic dreams either, but, but don't force God to talk to you through a dream. Listen to what he says. Just as often as you speak, you need to listen. And, and one of the best ways to listen to God, one of the best ways to hear God is to read what he already said. I find sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll be like, God, it just feels like I can't, I can't hear you. God, it feels like I can't. It seems as if you're absent. I know you're not, but it just seems like it is. And I'll open the text of what he already said and, and he'll use it. It's the living word. It's not just something that was written 2,000 years. It's, it's still living and breathing today, and God is using it, and God is using his Holy Spirit to speak to us through what he already said. So maybe, just maybe, if you're like, God, I feel like I can't hear you, maybe just take a moment, crack open the word, and just start reading wherever God tells you to read. And, and, and it's, again, don't, don't read it just to read it. Don't read it just to get through the whole thing and say, yes, I've, I've done this. But, but it, it, the Bible says meditate on the word. Meditate on this. If that means you take one verse all month long and you just you write it on your mirror, you put it in your phone, everywhere, and it's just, you, God, speak to me every time I see this. Then maybe that's what it takes. 
the goal for this is not to read the whole thing. Please don't send me an email about that. But hear me, the goal for this is not to read the whole thing. Jesus isn't waiting on you to read the whole thing before he blesses you or before he has relationship or before the Holy Spirit is excited. No, no, no. In fact, ah, I'm closing, I'm closing. I, I love the, in, 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 the, in China, the church is illegal. Christianity is illegal. And the churches in China will rip out pages of the Bible and most of us would go, oh, I can't believe you do that. But listen, they would rip out pages of the Bible and they would keep one with them. And the, the, the Chinese church would memorize the, the page front and back, front and back. When they would see another believer, they would exchange pages because they're that hungry to listen for, for God. They're that hungry to hear what God has already said. And, and in America, we have a million different translations accessible on our phone. And sometimes the only time we read it is today. So it's so important that we spend time with God to have our hearts transformed and to, for us to be a man or woman after God's own heart, for God to use, uh, for, for God's spirit to, 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 to mold and to shape our hearts and our lives. And we can't do that if we don't know him. We can't know him if we don't speak to him. We can't know him if we don't listen to him. This is such a, 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 a simple principle, but man, it'll transform your life. Don't let, don't let the pastor speak to God for you on behalf of you. He's given us this gift, each and every single person in the room. And don't limit God to only in this text. He's still speaking today. But a lot of the time, he'll use this, most of the time, he'll use this to speak back to us even today. It's the living word. It's the living word. So tell him how you feel. You are so doted over by God. He is so passionate to be with you. He loves you so much. You are his masterpiece. You are his most prized possession and his, 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 his greatest creation. And he wants to be with us. So our challenge today, don't know about God. Knowing about God is important. But don't just know about God, but know God on a personal scale. I think our city needs a church who is willing to say, or who is, who is willing to know God on a personal level. Instead of just knowing about Him and, and, and telling people how bad they are, Winchester doesn't need that. Winchester needs a body of people that are passionate about the presence of God and pursue him with every fiber of their being. And this is our responsibility. This is our challenge today. Know God. Talk to him at work, on the way to work, at the DMV, and even set some time apart if there's no, nothing else going on. And just talk to him. Tell him how you're feeling. Tell him how you're doing. He wants to hear you. And listen. He's got something to say, and it's really good. I'm going to pray over us. I'm going to bless us, and we're going to get out of here, get some lunch. <laughs> but make sure you pray over the lunch. Talk to God. Thank you for the food, okay? It's a dying habit now. God, thank you so much for this day. 
Thank you for your grace and your mercy that is so abounding, that overflows every time you walk into the room. Thank you for this gift of communication that we're not just standing up here saying words and, and, and trying to impress it. Nah, that's not what it's about. But God, you hear us. You hear our thoughts. You know how many hairs we have on our head. You know everything about us. The good and the bad and the ugly. And you still made a way for us to be with you. I, I just... Sometimes it's unbelievable how radically crazy your love is. But thank you for reminding us of the fact that no matter how far we go, no matter what we do, your love never fails. Your love never leaves us. Your love never stops. And you never stop pursuing us. God, thank you for this truth. God, I pray for the people in the room today who, um, <clears throat> who came in here maybe asking questions, wondering about who you are, wondering about this Jesus guy and, and what the Holy Spirit is and what, it, what, what he does. And if that's you today, if you have all these questions and, and you're, just, you're, you're just uncertain and you're like, but I, I, I think I want to follow Jesus. I, I don't really know. I want to encourage you to make that step today. Take that step today towards Jesus. It's, it's, here's here's the, the simple reality of it. Jesus died for our sins that separate us from God. So that way we're no longer separated from God when we receive the forgiveness that he gives. And that's it. No strings attached. We can receive forgiveness today for the first time, for the millionth time. Wherever you are in your walk with Jesus or maybe non-existent walk with Jesus or not yet at least, you can decide to follow Jesus today and it's just the simple. Just take your next step towards him. Make a decision in your heart and say, you know what, I'm going to follow you. I don't know what that looks like yet, but I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to pursue you with my life and trust you with my life. It sounds really, really scary when you think about it in the grand scheme of things, but if you think about just taking your next step towards him, just being a little bit closer to him, you'll find that he's a lot closer than you thought. And many days and weeks and years will go by and you'll look back and say, wow, I'm so glad I decided to trust you with my life, Jesus. And I, and I believe he's orchestrated everything to get you to be here today, to hear the message of his love for you. He would be willing to set everything up in the world to happen the way that it did, to get you in church today so that he can tell you he loves you. That's how much he loves you and he wants to be with you. So I want to really encourage you to take that step today if you haven't. But God, thank you so much for this time that we get to spend together. And I just pray that as we go out of here, this isn't just something we hold into ourselves. This is something we share with the world. We share with our family, our coworkers. Not about the church. It doesn't, doesn't matter about the church, but it's about your presence, your spirit, your forgiveness, and your grace, and, 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 and who you are. 
Thank you that you, you've given us this gift to know you and for others around us to come to know you as well. It's not a stagnant faith, it's a forward faith, and it's contagious. So God, I pray you put us in situations that are maybe a little uncomfortable for us to push us a little bit further in our faith and in sharing it and letting our friends and family and coworkers know about the greatest decision we've ever made and that they can make it too. It doesn't stop with us. But God, thank you, and I just pray you protect us and keep us safe in this crazy world we live in. I pray that you bless us, each and every single one of us, and let us do your work as best as we can. Keep us close. Forgive us of our wrongs. Let's just live for you each and every single day that, we, that you've gifted us. Every breath that we inhale, we exhale praise. It's yours, it's yours, it's yours. God, thank you for this time. Thank you for our people. Let us do something amazing with this gift we have. We trust you with it. We love you, we praise you, and we give you all of who we are. In Jesus' mighty, wonderful, powerful name, all the church said, amen, and amen, and amen. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this message. We pray that God has used this message to speak to you and to show you how much He loves you. And if God has shown you something incredible, we want to hear about it. Please send us an email to hello at afreshchurch.com. And if you want to partner with us financially to help our ministry spread the good news of Jesus' love for all people, you can do so at afreshchurch.com slash give. Every dollar we receive goes back to loving people into a relationship with Jesus. We want to encourage you to go out and live life with the one who gives life because it's so much better when we do it with Jesus. 